Hello, and welcome to episode 140 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the beast. This week we're going to be talking about what we do in the shadows on your Vampires Don't Do Dishes podcast. vampire movies for matthew i'm probably over on twitter at mandy k and i'm matthew vose i'm on twitter at matthew vose uh this uh is it gonna be the last vampire film of the year i mean i've got two more recorded to watch so watch this space (laughs) it might be the last one we do on this show yes right certainly for this year for this year that's what i meant for 2019 yeah, we've got to get back on that that Twilight thing, you know. Whoa. Oh, that's right. We have to do Eclipse in early 2020, mm. which is a vampire movie, so yeah. Yay! I'm excited about it. <laughs> but we are here, so this is the last episode of Vampire Month. We are here with What We Do in the Shadows. You're going to talk in a bit about this being a vampire comedy. Do we want to talk vampire comedies up front to set the scene before we get into this film specifically? Well... Until this movie came into my life, I had never paired the words vampire and comedy together. Okay. So that's a new thing in my life. Yes, Sasha, where were you, my pet? Oh, well, never mind. You're here now. Let's keep going. We had three bats and one more. Sasha makes one, two, three, four all together. Four beautiful buttes. I I mean, four beautiful bats. The number of the day is four. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, one, two, three. Hold still here. One, two, three. uh, No, one, two. Oh, I go absolutely bad at counting bats. (laughs) One, two, three, four. Uh, No, no. Okay. So vampires putting Weetabix in their blood. Oh, but... (laughs) But Buffy's not a comedy. It had humorous bits. Spike Ooh, was interesting. funny, but it's interesting. not a comedy. Oh, oh come on. I, I, w- I would argue the movie wanted to be a comedy. I mean, you know, whether it achieves or not. Okay. It had Pee Wee Herman in it. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I will give you that one. It's really interesting that we talked a couple of weeks ago about The Lost Boys. And yes. you didn't expect it to be a comedy and you thought it was a comedy having watched it. And we saw a little bit of in in Fright Night as well, some com- you know right. slightly comedic moments. I don't think the Lost Boys was doing vampire comedy. Mm-hmm. Kiefer Sutherland deadly serious. Yes, star deadly serious. Alex Winter barring his hair deadly serious. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> I think the comedy in that was the zaniness of the horror. It was it was horror comedy rather than anything else. Right. There are. I I don't think Buffy is a vampire comedy. Barring the occasional moments about Weetabix and the blood and so on, the comedy was in the characters, in the characters being scared, in saying silly things, in trying to hide stuff from her mum, stuff from each other, that kind of thing. You made a bear. Undo it. Undo it. What happened? Did we win? Exactly. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's that kind of silliness that, again, comes under the category, I think, of horror comedy, in inverted commas. Okay. Um... There are a couple of vampire comedies, but I've been really struggling to think of any. There's one by Leslie Nielsen. Really? Uh, called Leslie Nielsen's Dra- a, a vampire movie? Well, it's... No, I'm saying by Leslie Nielsen. It's by Mel Brooks. Directed by and starring Mel Brooks as Van Helsing and Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. Dracula dead and loving it. Okay. Now, I have... The Mel Brooks Blu-ray collection. This film is not on that collection. Oh, wow. (laughs) It might tell you everything you need to know about that film. Okay. There was a film called Vampires Suck in the vein of epic movie, scary movie, that sort Mm. of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think poking fun at the kind of Buffy Twilight sort of thing. I've not seen it. I was going to look out some videos thinking, oh, you know, I'll I'll watch some YouTube videos, get a, a sense of what this film was like. Haven't even done that. Okay. <laughs> just the whole idea of it puts me off. Is there any 
vampire comedy you can think of? Any any jokes about vampires, even from a Buffy or an angel or something that you particularly like? No, I can't. I th- you're p- one, okay. you're putting me on the spot with the question. Um, <laughs> but no, because I just, my brain does not pair vampire and comedy together. And so, like, it's right. it's this weird cognitive dissonance, you know. And then hearing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And now I'm remembering you were talking about that movie that you said was terrible that I want to see. That had um, Sean Wallace in it and... Oh, Vamps. Yes. yes yeah, vamps. that is fair. Like, that sounds like a vampire comedy. I want to see that. Yeah. And bits of that were funny. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't a great film. There were there were giant things they did wrong. Um, yeah. It's going to be hilarious There's... if I watch it and absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> well, it's going to be pretty expected, TBH, so... <laughs> okay. All right. I, th- I think you will actually probably enjoy it the more I thought about it. Vlad the Impaler, I'll tell you what that whole impaling routine was. Compensation. You know what I'm saying? Besides, I am leaving town. And look at this pimp and travel coffin he made me. Here's the itinerary. Just get me on cargo before dawn. It's a private jet. There is a Jim Carrey film that one of our followers reference to us and i cannot remember who it was i'm really sorry but he did a vampire film called once bitten which also looks pretty poor and i think that was part of the thing of it it was like hey jim carrey in like 1985 did a vampire comedy wow i missed that i have not heard of that one his his earth goals are easy era i think okay wait jim carrey was in that yes with with jeff goldblum okay yes have you seen earth goals are easy when I was very, very young. Okay. I, Same. All I remember is Gina Davis, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that that's yeah. it. I don't. Yeah. The one that comes to mind when I think about it is a show that was on over here, and I'm interested to see whether you know of it, called Count Duckula. In the heart of Transylvania, in the vampire hall of fame, yeah. <laughs> I assume that doesn't mean anything to you. No, one of our Twitter followers posted something about it when I asked about vampire comedies. Right. Um, but it didn't seem familiar. It, I'm assuming it's like some like Disney-esque kind of animated show? Uh, yeah, TV series, um, spin-off of Danger Mouse. Does Danger Mouse mean anything to you? No. Danger Mouse means nothing to you. There was there was this uh, company, I'm going to say Cosgrove Hole, who made cartoons over here that were all kind of silly for kids, but with a slightly smarter sense of humour to them. Okay. Danger Mouse was a mouse and his sidekick given, and they were kind of James Bond-esque hmm. sort of characters. Um, Count Duckula was a Dracula, a vampire, who is brought back to life. In, in bringing him back to life, Igor uses the wrong ingredient instead of blood he uses tomato ketchup so so the new count duckula because you can resurrect them every you know x years and so on and so forth um with a, a special thing and uh, so this count duckula is a vegetarian and there is still van helsing hunting him for reasons okay. and the the crux of the show is they live in the castle let's say castle duckula and the castle can time travel and travel through space. So it's them having wacky shenanigans throughout history, and then the castle returns at certain times, but they have to be in it to return. So if Doctor Who were a cartoon and a vampire duck, that's Count Dracula. Yeah. I, I would say very much it's a bit like DuckTales. Okay. It's got that kind of thing to it. Okay. So even within that, it wasn't vampire comedy. Mm-hmm. There were bits of humour about it, but it was very much more horror comedy. So okay. That was the one that came to mind, I, and I was hoping you might have seen it. I'm, I might, I think I will have to find the intro at least, if not an episode on YouTube and link to it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it does not sound familiar. It was not one of my Saturday morning cartoon staples, for okay. sure. You'd probably enjoy it. It's very silly. Okay. Have you ever seen um, Only Fools and Horses? 
No, I've never no, even okay. heard of it. Oh, crikey. Okay, famous British sitcom. The main actor and character in that did the voice of Count Ducula. Okay. There must be something you've heard David Jason in. Hang on. Hang on. Because <laughs> he's like proper part of the British establishment in a Stephen Fry sort of way. So, Right, but keep in mind... I didn't know anything about British pop culture before before Doctor Who and Sherlock, and then I met you and actually learned some more about proper British pop culture, but <laughs> that's all been very recent. This film might be the first actual vampire comedy in a proper way that's not spoofing vampires. Mm-hmm. A little bit like we said with Galaxy Quest. It's not... You know, doing vampires suck. Oh, isn't it silly that vampires do this thing? It's doing a little bit of that. But in general, it is funny vampires. Yeah. It's, what if vampires were, like, real people? Like, yeah. people, right? Not these broody, mm. long, trench-coated, lives-in-the-dark people, vampires. You know, it's just, yeah. they have roommates, and they have chore charts, and... Yeah. <laughs> They get mad at each other for not doing the dishes. Not not only does it stand out as, like, this is quite a good film and very funny and doing something interesting, it is standing apart because I don't think there's anything else like this. Yeah, I don't think so. So with that, why don't you tell us what, what We Do in the Shadows is about? So, Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore will, trying to get into nightclubs, and overcoming flatmate conflicts. Stolen straight from IMDb. I was going to say, you stole that from somebody, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I really only write them myself when I don't like the movie and I'm trying to get an extra (laughs) dig into it. Because why reinvent the wheel when somebody else has already done it? I I don't think that totally sums it up. Because the film is a documentary about vampires living in modern-day Wellington. Okay. That tries to make it sound like, oh, these vampires completely out of time. Like, they're not. Oh, you know, okay, you're right. You know? I guess, yeah, You if you hadn't seen it, if you didn't know anything about it, that synopsis really wouldn't tell you, would it? Mm. I did not do my job well. Well, this is why I thought it was from somewhere else, and I was waiting for you to confirm that before I started Yeah. <laughs> taking it apart. Um... <laughs> How come you've never watched this? I didn't know this movie existed until you said, we should do Vampire Month and watch what we did in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, the, the month might be an excuse for this. Right? <laughs> and at <laughs> the same time, and we're going to get into this, you can't watch this until you've watched at least three or four of the films we have watched this month. Yeah. And we're going to get into that, but... So that might have been what the month was designed around. No, you you never would have planned that well, would you? No, not at all. I mean, yeah, it's Vampire Month, so it's cool at any time. Uh, What We Do in the Shadows is a 2014 mockumentary horror comedy, vampire comedy, written by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi, starring them alongside Jonathan Brew and Reese Darby, amongst others. It was based on a short film they made in 2005 called What We Do in the Shadows, Interviews with Some Vampires, which was also by Clement and Waititi. The film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, and to release the film in the US, the creators used Kickstarter to raise funds. Stu Rutherford, who plays Stu, is a high school friend of Waititi and was told he would only get a he was only a bit part in the film, and he had to act naturally throughout. It was only at the film's premiere he found out how large his role was. Stu <laughs> We're not going to eat stew. <laughs> The film was a resounding success. The Guardian described it as the best comedy of the year and it earned $6.9 million against a $1.6 million budget. There has been a follow-up TV series in the same vein as the film, but following American vampires in New York. There is also a spin-off called Wellington Paranormal, which is yet to be broadcast outside of New Zealand. Interesting. Mm. Uh, The American show is on Hulu. Okay. I haven't yeah, watched gonna... it yet, but I was looking for where I could find What We Do in the Perfect. Shadows, the movie, and it was like, What We Do in the Shadows, Hulu, and I was like, awesome, and then it was not the thing I needed to watch. So. No. <laughs> we'll loop back around for that. So this this film, where is the film itself available? I mean, you can get it anywhere you rent digital movies, so Vudu, okay. Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, they all have it, but nice. you have to rent it. Right, okay. 
It is going to be on TV, I think, November 1st on oh. FX. So if you okay. have the live TV add-on to Hulu, you can watch it because that's where it told me it was going to be. Where is it available to watch in the UK? <laughs> Over here, it is available to watch on Amazon Prime. Lovely. So I watched it on Amazon Prime at the beginning of the year. It was then on TV at the end when the the first the series finished. They they broadcast the movie as well. So I then recorded that and watched that. And I bought it on DVD and watched it on DVD this week as well. <laughs> and I'm guessing that DVD will not be in the collection of Vampire DVDs you're going to do something special with later this year. Oh, because it's available on Amazon Prime and it has been available on Amazon Prime for a good couple of years now. Okay. I'm less worried beyond now making me think yeah i keep dvds when i want to give them to other people to say like here watch this improve your life we'll see all right but i bought the dvd because i wanted to see the extras and i I, there is a blu-ray version in continental europe not here that includes a um commentary oh so i was like oh that would be interesting but i found a website that had done a commentary commentary Okay. With their sort of summary of the best bits of it, and then right. a little review of the commentary at the end as well. So they were like, it's okay, they're playing to the thing a little bit. And then mm. also, there's a number of times they forget they're doing commentary and just watch the film, <laughs> which is the downside of a, a commentary. So. Right. So I didn't buy that, but I did buy the, the DVD for the extras. Okay. Okay. Taika Waititi, Jermaine Clement were the driving forces behind this. They are the stars, the directors, the writers of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your experience of the two of them? Um, Jermaine Clement, Flight of the Concords. It's business time. You're leaning close and say something sexy, like, I might go to bed, I've got work in the morning. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. It's business time. Have you seen Flight of the Concords? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces, mostly specific like music videos that the two okay. of them did on YouTube. Um, okay. My favorite of which is it's, it's Business Time. So okay, Mondays I cook, and Tuesdays we visit your mother. But Wednesdays is when we make sweet, sweet love. <laughs> <laughs> I I hadn't seen Flight of the Concords because okay. it must have been about twelve years it came out over here. And I'd always meant to, so the last few weeks I've been watching it. I, mm. I bought the DVDs of that as well and been watching it. Okay. Jermaine Clement is a standout on that. He he is just so much stronger than everyone else on that show. Okay. They're, they're all good, but anything he does on it is like, oh, he's a class above. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really only familiar with their shorts that were on mm. YouTube. Like, I haven't watched, you know, and they've toured, but I haven't, they've never, when they right. come to the US and tour, it's like New York and California. Yeah, never yeah. anywhere that big, so. in the yeah. middle of the country where I am. So <laughs> the flyover states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, have you seen Moana? I have seen Moana. Okay. I okay. So here's the thing: I didn't look either of these people up to see what else oh, they've done because when I think of them, it. these are the things I think of. Like I know okay. I've seen them in other things. Um, it's like Taika Waititi. He did Thor Ragnarok. That was the first time mm-hmm. I'd ever heard of him. And mm-hmm. so he is always now paired with Thor Ragnarok for me, even yeah. though I know he has done other things and he will continue to do other things. For me, he's the Ragnarok guy. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. No. So in Moana, Jermaine Clement is the giant turtle crab thing. That's right. Yes, singing the David Bowie song, the yes. Lin Manuel Miranda yes. wrote. Well, Tamatoa hasn't always been this glam. I was a drab little crab once. Now I know I can be happy as a clam because I'm beautiful, baby. <laughs> Which, having now seen Flight of the Concords, and there is an episode where David Bowie visits Brett, not Jermaine, visits Brett three times during it, mm-hmm. played by Jermaine Clement. It's like, oh yeah, he does a very passable David Bowie. Okay. Brett! Jermaine, what are you doing? It's not Jermaine, it's 1972 David Bowie from the Ziggy Stardust tour. Wow, you look a lot like Jermaine. No, I'm David Bowie. Hmm. 
What are you doing in my room? This is a dream, Brett. It's all part of your freaky dream. So. I remember watching Moana and like hearing the, the turtle crab dude and going, I know that voice. And yeah. finally, by the end of it, I was like, that's Jemaine Clement, right? And right. I was watching it with my uh, cousin, and she has no idea who Jemaine Clement is. And she's like, I don't know okay. what, what you're talking about. And so I looked it up, and then I was really excited that I recognized him just by voice. Nice. And I know his voice so well because of its business time. <laughs> so bring that back full circle. <laughs> and did you watch some of Legion? Do I remember? No, I have not watched Legion okay. at all. Okay, he's in Legion. He's very good in Legion. Okay. I have seen him. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I have seen him do some serious acting roles right. um, in recent years, months, whatever. Um, and it always surprises me because I think of him first and foremost as a comedian, mm-hmm. not an actor. Mm. So, but he's very good. He's very good. Yeah. So I'm exactly the same with Taika Waititi. I saw Thor Ragnarok and was like, okay, this guy's very good. I'm, I want to check out his other movies. And this movie had already been on the list for a while. Like, uh, you know, a vampire comedy might be all right. And so I watched it and fell in love and have now watched every other film he's done. And he's got another one out this month. So hooray. Hooray. He's, he's, his new film is Jojo Rabbit. He plays Hitler. <laughs> okay. Because he is, he is in all of his own films. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. If I made films, I'd be in all my own films too. Hmm. Yeah, he's had a few very, very good ones. We actually showed um, Hunt for the Wilder People at the end of last Godaming Film Society season. Okay. Which, it was a massive, massive hit for him. Um, Him, Sam Neill, and the boy from Deadpool 2. Okay. Remember? Yeah. That's a very good film as well. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Cool. One, One to look out for if you ever get the chance to see his films. So we've been circling around it. Hey, did you enjoy what we do in the shadows? You know, I did. I wasn't yeah, sure I was going to. It's amazing. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't really know what it was about. I knew it was kind of funny. And I, I knew it spawned a television show. Um, mm-hmm. I had no idea it was a mockumentary until the title screen is, like, made in conjunction <laughs> with the New Zealand Documentary Board. I was like, what? Which they made up for this. Of it's not a real thing. Oh, yeah. of course. <laughs> Um, so then I realized, oh God, this is a mockumentary. Like this is basically real world vampires. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it, but uh, they just kind of like the characters just kind of needled their way into my heart. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And I just, I, I like them. It was good. Was there a point that it, well, no, I'm going to ask this in a different way. Were you actually laughing, laughing, or just going, oh, that's funny? Oh, no, no, oh, I funny. did end up laughing, laughing. Okay. W- was there a point it then it, that it grabbed you and was like, oh, that's really funny. That is good comedy. The chore will. That was right. really okay. when it started. Because oh, wow, that was pretty that early. early in the movie, you know? Yeah, nice. And vampires don't do dishes, but then he ends up doing the dishes anyway because they're good yeah, friends, you know? Bullshit. Like, it was in that. <laughs> The point is, Deacon, that you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. What does it matter? You bring them over, you kill them! Vampires don't do dishes. Like right after that, I can't even talk about it. It's so funny. Because then right after that, you go into the sequence with like... He's doing the dishes, and then um, they're hissing at each other, and so you can't tell, are they cats or are they fans? Like, what is going on here? Um, Vladislav says that he was 16 when he was turned, and that's why he always looks 16. I uh, became a vampire when I was 16, and that is why I always look 16. In those days, of course, life was tough for a 16-year-old. And then you get Nazi vampire deacon, and it's just like punch after punch after punch, and it like it it's funny. <laughs> it's just so good, and everything it's... like comes out of left field. All these like tidbits that you're getting from them, like God, the vampire mythology in this is yep. weird, like weirdly different from anything that we've seen so far. But it just comes out so naturally talking to them mm. because of the mockumentary style. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> It's great how they, they, they put the disclaimer up that the, the film crew's wearing crucifixes and yep. they were promised that they would be okay. <laughs> yeah. You will not eat stew and you will not eat the camera right. guy. Maybe I'm one sure camera guy. here. 
Like, and, and instantly from that moment, you're going, okay, this, this film kind of takes its, the concept of the film seriously. Right. But everything in the film is ridiculous. Right. It's so good. And, well, because we end up do having a, a dead cameraman. Yeah, exactly. By the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I suspect a lot of it was improvised. The, oh, the thing I I've read that. is that they had a plot and a script, but only Waititi and Clement had it. So I'd imagine they'd give like, okay, we're going to do a chore, we'll see, and this is going to be the thing, and this is how it's going to resolve. Mm. But how we get there is up to you. And you see it a few times. You can see them almost corpsing a few times. The bit where he says, I asked them, Nick, I asked them not to pass that sentence. We should do this immediately, in my opinion. You didn't ask. You didn't ask. You were saying yes. Well, this is what's going to happen. I still think it's quite extreme. And you see them (laughs) both like, no, no, that's too far. (laughs) Dude, I cannot figure out how they made this movie and didn't break. They kept straight faces through all of it, and I don't know how. It's so good. And so, like, Waititi is the one that we actually kind of follow. He's the one who plays to the camera all the time, who interacts with it in that way. Mm-hmm. Vlad less so, but he does a lot of the kind of narrative stuff when we get into the B stuff later on. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they obviously knew their plot and they knew how they wanted to take it through. Jonathan Brew as Deacon, I think might be the better improviser because there is so much content of him. And, and just you saying that thing about the Nazi vampires where he's like, I don't know if you know that the Nazis lost that war. <laughs> like, that is quite a good, good thing. But he's just clearly staying in camera and just saying stuff. Right. And, right. and having watched the extras on the DVD, he just walks around talking about werewolves. You can see them making a set behind him. So this is clearly not being filmed for the film. But he's like, oh, werewolves, they come and they be on the carpet. Oh, it's terrible. Oh. Oh, he's just nice. he's just testing material all the yeah. time. And the bit that gets me with him in, in that sort of sequence is just where he sat there, leg over the chair and going, when you're a vampire, you're kind of sexy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he just keeps, like, pointing himself up and down with, like, see how sexy I am. Right. I'm a vampire. <laughs> yep. Wonderful. Dead the but delicious. Bit... Absolutely, yeah. Which it was not his line, but I mean, it it follows, it tracks. It works, doesn't it? Yeah. The the bit that gets me, I'm going to pull it from the favourite section into this, because I've watched this film six plus times in the last three years. Um, there There is a couple of moments that always get me like, okay, now I'm into the film and now it's funny. But the one that really does it is about halfway through, Nick eats a chip. <laughs> And it just cuts to this hose pipe of blood coming out of his mouth as he vomits because he can't eat anything. Which is funny in, in itself. It's just the cut to and just geezer of blood. Mm-hmm. But the way Jermaine Clement sets that up that he eats a chip and Jermaine just looks at him and goes, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Oh no, I wouldn't eat that. Why? And it's so deadpan, it's so low key mm-hmm. that it does take the joke downwards when suddenly you get that hit of the the, the hose like right, right, yeah. vomit blood coming in. <laughs> and from there it's like, okay, okay, now we're going somewhere. Now we're doing something that I don't think I've ever seen on anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. So I wasn't that hot on this film the first time I saw it. Okay. I felt about this like, like you felt about The Lost Boys. Okay. Because I remember I remember watching and going, oh, yeah, that was funny. I enjoyed it. And then I dwelt on it a bit and enjoyed it a bit more. And then I thought about it a bit more and enjoyed it a bit more. And then I saw some gifts of it. <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, yeah, actually, that was really funny. Yeah. And, and had to go and watch it again and go, oh, yeah, I missed a lot. There's a lot in this that is really good. Mm-hmm. It's the movie that just keeps on giving. Yeah. and And I think having... Certainly those main three, but then the introduction of Nick, the introduction of Stu. Every character who comes in brings another dynamic, another opportunity for jokes Mm -hmm. and a bit of humour. So they do the jokes on that person and then they go to the next character. Right, let's bring another character in. Let's bring another setting in. Let's... Okay, now now we're going to have werewolves. 
And now we're going to have vampires fighting. And now we're going to have this next thing. It's it's almost sort of sketch-like. Mm-hmm. Which I think Jermaine Clement's very, like, he, that's what he does, mm. right? This, he does sketch comedy, so it... But he translated it well into a full-length movie, I think. Yeah, that that's the thing. It, I think it actually works with that kind of narrative. You could see this being a proper documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think the, the kind of first proper thing I want to talk about a little bit is... I'm going to do the thing that makes comedy better. I'm going to try to explain some of the comedy. Okay. You know, because we, we've talked about it a little bit in, you know, introducing characters and that gives them the opportunity for the humour. I think this is a li- little reminiscent of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where a lot of the humour comes from people either acting like they're not in the film they're in, <laughs> you know, with the, the coconuts for horses and them not respecting him as leader or or that disrespect between authority and you know non-authority figures mm-hmm. which came all the way through people abusing the knights or abusing the king this sort of thing in this i think it's some of that incongruity between the fact they're vampires and, and at every level in fact but they're vampires in the modern day so we're not really used to vampires in the modern day but from the, you know, classic Dracula 1700s or something, or even the 1900s. We've got these vampires who are actual vampires. Like, they actually kill people and terrorize people, but they're also kind of funny and knit and hoover and so on. Right. And then we've just got the that point halfway through where we start introducing the modern technology, and they they adapt to the modern technology very quickly whilst also bringing some of their own thing of, Oh, I lost a scarf. Can you Google it? <laughs> and some of that. Right. I think pretty much everything in this is about, you know, let's take this fantastical creature, this fantastical idea, and put it in something that doesn't necessarily work. Make them really lovely brothers who, you know, it's great fun watching them on screen. Now let's watch them kill a person and chase a person around their house in quite a terrifying sequence. If you watch the the Nick chase on its own, I think it's actually quite scary. Interesting. See, I don't because Nick was not scared. He was not scared. He no. was scared. I don't think he was scared. He was just like, I mean, he was running, but every time he stopped, he was just like, eh. You know. Oh like, no, he was scared. I don't think he was scared. <laughs> but I think the part of the reason that it doesn't come across so horrific, and this is why it really, really works. We are in the vampires' point of view. This is a documentary, a film about the vampires. And the thing that tells me this, and this is why I wanted to have the conversation, and thank you very much to Kate for uh, indulging me in doing this. In The Lost Boys, we see the maggots and the worms in the noodles and the Mm -hmm. Chinese. In this, we don't. Please, Nick, eat some biscotti. Right. Because it depends on who you're seeing it from. Right. That was a good scene. At first, I was like, what? They are completely ripping off the Lost Boys. And then he says, yeah, I got that from the Lost Boys. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. We stole that idea from the Lost Boys. But I put a nice twist on it. Nick, how does it feel to have a snake for a penis? (laughs) Jackie? My penis has disappeared. There's a cobra snake. No one's going to mistake your penis for a cobra neck. Okay, believe you me. No, No, it is just a normal penis. Right? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about what it takes on those other films, because I don't think we could have watched this having not watched certainly The Lost Boys and Dracula, mm-hmm. possibly Blade, possibly some of Fright Night, just for that sort of overall vampire mythology stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that scene it takes on The Lost Boys, but a lot of this is that Anne Rice, Lost Boys type vampire. Yes. Uh, the way they dress. Mm-hmm very it's anachronistic but it's also not entirely it's it's not like they're dressing from the 17th century or the 18th century right they're Mm -hmm. taking modern pieces and styling them differently Mm. um and you see this more with deacon and vladislav than you do with viago um who i had they described him as like he used to be a dandy i think Mm -hmm. isn't that what Mm -hmm. he said and he's still very much in that style yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, very um trying to be like regal and dark at the same time. Mm. And you get that from 
interview with a vampire, you get that from yeah. Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I am dark and broody. <laughs> and I, I like that you would get that from particularly, like you say, Deacon and Vlad. But the fact that they are being interviewed and, and we're clearly being the, shown the interview shots where they are more comfortable with the thing. So he can just stand there and says, this is my torture chamber. <laughs> right. I am Vladislav the poker. <laughs> Showing him Facebook. Do you want a poker? Yes. Oh, yes, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's great. I did pick up. I don't know if you noticed this, but I think I might have just because of how how much you went on and on about how Blade says Frost. Yep. Vlad said the Beast very, very similarly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, Matthew's probably going to like that. The Beast. The darkest part of my mind is reserved for the Beast. If I could tell you a thing or two about the Beast. You should pray that you never have to see the Beast. This one is called the Beast. And I said, get your hands off my balls, Beast! He may have told you some stories about his... Great battle with the beast. Yeah, oh, I fought the beast on a cliff. Oh, I fought the beast in a swamp. Oh, then one time I fought the beast in the toilets of a nightclub. Difficult battle. I hope you never see the beast. The beast. (laughs) (laughs) The darkest part of my mind is reserved for the beast. Yeah. I didn't (laughs) expect the beast to just be his ex-girlfriend, though. And, And that... I mean, they've set it up so long throughout the whole film. They Mm -hmm. keep referring to it. They keep showing pictures. And then finally it's this, oh, quite pretty woman. Yeah. (laughs) The beast and the arsehole. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yeah, because the the whole end sequence, I almost don't remember it because it's there's so much that comes before that that's all about the characters. And then we get this fun sort of 20-minute bit of... And now let's do some proper vampire stuff. Right. And, and you know, vampire together. But everything before that about them going out in Wellington, them meeting Nick and Stu, I, I think it's better. I, I think it all works together because it's all different sequences that, that sort of work in the totality. But I, I think I prefer it where it's just kind of commentary on how vampires might behave. Mm-hmm. I think possibly because... Some of what they're doing is mocking vampire tropes, but I think they're mocking the way other films do the vampire tropes. Like the bit where he stood outside the window is like, see me, <laughs> see me. And he ends up knocking on the window to get their attention. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> the, the fact they have to be invited into the club. Right, how you have to be invited into public places in this, that, that's weird. It's so good. And and so there's there's a whole deleted scene where... They actually have a, a proper exchange with this guy where he's like, oh, yeah, you can come in. It's $5. You pay the $5, you can come in. And they're like, oh, is that an invitation? No, it's an instruction. You pay the $5 to Jenny. Oh, well, where's Jenny? Well, she's inside. Okay, can you, can she come out and she can invite us in? And they're just trying to do this whole thing to get invited in. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And we see just the very end of that. But that's great. The, the stuff with the mirrors and the outfits is wonderful. It's very clever. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts is that they draw mm. each other because they can't see what they look like. Brilliant. And they so never cool. see people talk about that. You know, you get the jokes like an angel, like, how does Angel do his hair like that when he can't see himself, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they never really address it, like the actual how. Mm. And then you've got this where they're sketching each other so they can see what they look like in their clothes. Yeah. That's pretty great. I mean, sketching so, badly, but the idea well, is great. So let's dig into this a little bit. At what stage of putting on the clothes do the clothes become invisible? I was wondering that myself. Right? <laughs> because you can hold the cup and the cup's not yeah. invisible. But the yes. things that are you're wearing are... Like, it's not consistent. Just like they don't have reflections, but you can take their photograph, which uses mirrors. They had photographs well, from like the 18th century. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. not consistent, but it it's doesn't not. have to be. But it does also work. Like a, a mirror as a device does not show them or anything they're wearing. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Just done. But the bit that I think does the sort of vampire stuff, the vampire tropes, better than anything else is the hypnotizing. 
everything else where vampires hypnotize people. Um, which I, even happens in Buffy, happens in um, Dracula stories and all sorts of different films. When someone is hypnotized, they change their stance. Their face goes slack. They look mm. up to the ceiling. They, mm-hmm. you know, their shoulders droop, all this kind of thing that you show, like, they are now under someone's control, someone's thrall. Right. In this, they've taken out that visual cue. Yes. So the person's hypnotized. And, and uh, there's two points that it really happens. One is Nick doing it to Stu. He just goes, you can't hear anything. And then he talks about being a vampire and he says, and now you can hear me. So you work with computers and stuff. Right. Yeah. But Stu is just sat there staring ahead, just looking at the camera. Like, there's no indication whether he can hear it or not, which is good and funny. Yeah, I actually expected it to be that it didn't work. And Stu yeah. heard all of that. And I was waiting for Stu to, like, turn around and be like, you're a vampire? Right. But we didn't get that. He uh, was hypnotized. And so that then helps the second part where we're going, so we now understand how it works in this world, but we don't get to know whether whether it's worked or not when the police turn up. You will not notice anything out of the ordinary. No, we certainly hope not. Let's just, let's just keep going. Yeah, hi there, guys. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hi, fellas. Yes, that was good. Because you um, think the whole time that they're that it's wearing off especially since viago sets it up that he did it and he's not very good at it and he's not very good at it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no that was a very good sequence um and the things they were reacting to mm. um it, it worked for me because it's it's really clever where the, the instruction he gives to the police is you will not notice anything unusual you know it's a real proper sort of jedi mind trick sort of moment right right but because he has said something to her, she's allowed to say something back to him. So she goes, well, I certainly hope not. Right. <laughs> and, and there's just this, has it worked? Has it not worked? I don't know. I'm excited. What's going <laughs> on here? <laughs> and just the brilliance of the police going, God, there's no fire detectors. Oh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's so low. Again, the, that incongruity between the low key, what's happened there, and the... But there's a dead person on the floor and there's been a fire over here and these people are flying, you know. You can't just leave him down here like that, okay? This guy's not having a good time. He's going to feel terrible tomorrow morning. Well, his soul is in hell, so don't... Well, I don't know where his soul is, but all I'm saying is where's his blanket? Right, right, yeah. (laughs) And they could see all of that because they they commented on it, but it wasn't out of... It wasn't unusual to them. It's great. It was just, okay, this is normal. It's so clever. And and I think if anyone's listened listened this far in and hasn't seen it, like you should just go and watch it because we're just going to keep naming stuff that we like, I think, at this point. Yes. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, there was nothing bad in this movie. No. It was just good. And it was funny. And it, I mean, it's it's certainly not mainstream funny. It, it's not something that no. I, I don't even know what I, there, there really is nothing to compare it to, but it's. It's just good, and it it makes you laugh. Like I was watching it. Um, Joseph watched it with me through the Xbox, so great. We just had our headphones on, you know, because yeah, we're yeah. two separate states now. And he was just belly laughing the whole <laughs> nice. way through it. It was awesome. Um, yes, it was fun. It was. It's a good movie. So yeah, why are you still listening if you haven't watched it? Yeah, go watch it. And if it you have watched it, come listen. We've got some more things to say. Um, <laughs> the the thing I can compare it to is Airplane. But airplane, because it's based on a disaster movie, that's that's its sort of genre to start from. Okay. I think is a little bit more accessible. Whereas this is based on a genre not necessarily everyone knows, not ev- necessarily you know horror and fantasy vampire. Mm-hmm. Not everyone likes anyway, so that's what will put it out. But I, for for me, this is as funny as an airplane. Airplane is the one that everyone talks about as you know monumentally one of the most funny films of all time. Which I would I put this up with seen. it. No, but <laughs> I I would put this up against it. I you know okay. because this almost is better for not doing a joke every twenty thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to pack everything on screen. You just enjoy your time with it because everything is fun, not necessarily. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Here's humor. If you haven't enjoyed that, here's another joke. We're just going to try and make them hit. Right, right. I, I think everything hits in this. About the same rate as everything hits and something that's trying too hard. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Mm. You know when 
Viago takes the girl back to their place and he's putting down all the towels around her and yes. the newspaper and he's asking her what she's doing and she's talking about going to university mm-hmm. and how she's going to go travelling after university. He sat there listening to her and she's talking about all the places she wants to go in the world. Mm-hmm. Knowing he's about to bite her and kill her. Yes. So, tell me what you do. What do you... I'm thinking about going to uni, actually. Oh, you are? Oh, university, yeah. Yeah, but after that, I'm going to travel. Yeah. Really wanted to go overseas for ages, so saving up and I'm going to go to Spain and Italy and London and... Yeah. Okay. What do you think the look he gives her is about? Is he sad for what he's about to do? Is he bored because he wants to eat her? I thought he was sad. Like, he was feeling remorse. I almost thought he wasn't going to do it because he wanted Mm. her to be able to experience those things. Yeah. But then he did it. Now, that's nice. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was sad because he was taking that away from her and she had all these hopes and dreams for the future. But actually, Mm -hmm. yeah. She's she he's taking from her a life he can't have anyway. Oh, I right. like that. Oh, yeah. that's good. Well, especially since we get him, we get the shots of him standing outside of what's her face's window watching her. Yeah, Catherine. There's interstitial shots of him just standing on the street, mm. looking up at her window, and yeah, so he and floating has outside her window, like a heart. Like he he yeah. has a sense of longing. And so I can see him wanting someone else not to experience that or to at least feel remorse that he's going to take that away from someone else. Yeah. Mm, I like that. I I really liked finding out that the pictures of her at her wedding were the actress at her wedding. Oh. That was actually the actress. Yeah. Nice. doesn't matter. It's just a nice thing. Yeah. But but you you talking there is making me think, oh... The, the the three main vampires that we follow mm-hmm. are similar in some ways, but have their own sort of strong personality quirks. I, I always feel like they are different aspects of Dracula. It, it, uh, Vlad is very heavily based on certainly Gary Oldman's Dracula mm-hmm. and, and the general sort of dark and brooding and devious one. Right, we got, right. Uh, Viago, who is, you know, very proper and caring and romantic. And you've got Deacon, who is pretty monstrous. Yes. And has all the vampire powers. Did did any of that come out to you? Is that just me overthinking it? Um, well, I definitely picked up on Vlad and Dracula. If, if not just for the name itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the see-me thing, I mean, that's directly <laughs> lifted from yeah. the 1992 movie for sure. See me. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I like this thought, though, because one of my thoughts was how on earth are these three even friends? They are so different from each other. How do they live together and not kill each other? And so the idea that they're three sides of one actually Mm. makes that feel, Mm. it it makes a little more sense. Right? They they complete each other in a way Mm. that you don't necessarily see on the surface. So I I like I like this thought a lot. Okay. It really interesting you saying about like how are they friends? Cuz in some ways it's the friendship, the fraternity they have going on that is possibly the thing I really like in it. Mhm. Like you're right, it opens up with them arguing and fighting over chores and stuff which sets it up like oh they're you know odd couple type situation or something. Mhm. But actually they do draw each other to see how each other looks. They play music together. They sit and watch one of their friends doing a dance. I'm doing an erotic dance for my friends, and you ruined it. I was in the zone. My friends are loving it. I love it. I saw the end of it. It looked great. They are a, a group of friends who are very, very close and do everything together and are good for each other. Right. Yeah. And, and that comes out without having to lampshade it. It is just in the stories they tell. Right. These are three buddies four if you count peter because obviously they are probably crestfallen when peter dies as well yes to the extent they you know do the walk of shame on nick and cast him out so indefinitely shame (laughs) shame Shame. (laughs) which i believe came before 
Cersei's it did indeed. Walk of shame. Yeah. It did indeed. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, the, the whole the, the friendship aspect of it, and then it, it culminates with the death of Stu, when you get that photo of all of them together. You know, Peter sat in the center, Deacon at his lap, leaning on him because there was a you know a different connection between them. Two on one side, two on the other side, and they're just there enjoying each other's company. Yeah, it's a. I uh, like that picture. That picture yeah. was one of my favorite things in the movie. It really. But you know was. how I am about found family, right? Well, yeah, and it, and it's it is a perfect example of it. Yes, I'm using the word fraternity because this film doesn't do very well by women, but vampires haven't always done so well. So, well, I mean, I don't it, actually think I fault it for that. I don't know. It it doesn't. N- they don't need a woman in this house, right? No. I mean, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, don't put a woman in for the sake of just having a woman. If you're going to put a woman in, she needs to have a part of the story. And this story didn't yeah. need that. So, whatever. And there is the possibility if you include the woman, you then have to... You don't have to, but you... The temptation is to start doing stories about the relationships and right. who's sleeping with whom and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I did like that. So I I, God, I can't even remember her name right now, but Deacon's familiar. Jackie. Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that she ended up being a woman who was more than just his familiar slash slave. She mm. had a husband and kids. Yeah, she right? has her own like, story going on. Yeah. <laughs> that was mind blowing to me when I realized she's sitting there talking about wanting to be turned into a vampire when her husband and kids are running around behind her. <laughs> right. Um, and, and she's not doing it because she wants to leave them. Like we never got a super clear answer on why she was doing that, but, um, it was hysterical after she did get turned and all of a sudden her husband is her familiar. Yeah. Like, just so we're clear, I'm your master. I love you. I love you too. Great. But I am your master. Okay. You know, I mean, I thought it was pretty great. I liked it. And and we see they bump into I think it's Mel as they're they're out mm-hmm. for the evening, um, and she's eating a guy that she used to work with, and and even that she has a line where where she says to them like oh yeah I've been training him all day I'm a very thirsty girl and she sort of taps her tummy yeah he's gone I've been training him all night <laughs> I'm a very thirsty girl. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that's the sort of joke you make with people you are very comfortable with right yeah so you know there is clearly this community to it that is so mm-hmm. lovely even the you know the children vampires like ah oh, you're gonna eat a perv tonight yeah <laughs> that was, oh i forgot about them yes that was fantastic they're gonna go get the pedophile yeah which i'm sure is a direct reference to kirsten dunst in interview with a vampire oh i didn't even think of that like it's so close to it yeah <laughs> great interesting mm. huh. all right are there any favorite moments left that you had that we haven't talked about yet uh i talked about eating a chip um <laughs> and then and then especially so uh, i i don't even know if there's a conversation to be had about accents but chip is one of the words that the new zealand accent stands out on almost because the the I becomes more of a U, so it becomes I can't eat chips, and just him walking away ranting about not being able to eat chips. More, more than anything, just the chips. It's my favourite food. I can't eat chips. I've worked with a lot of people from New Zealand in my time, and it's it's the word that sort of stands out that everyone you know makes comments about. So that <laughs> I didn't was even notice. Um. Yeah, yeah. Did the New Zealand accent stand out to you? Only sometimes. Okay. It largely felt very british to my ear <laughs> um but there were a few few words and a few characters that were very specifically i was like oh i that's right this is in new zealand mm, okay uh the, the, we've mentioned most of them at this point but but the people in this film and some of the the stuff that this film does it just i feel like i'm going through it going oh it's that dude it's that dude who was in xena it's jackie and madeline so Maddie that they bump in Maddie Mel whatever her name was that they bump into, who made a film called The Breaker Operas. So then when I saw that and went back and watched this, um, it was like, oh wow, they were in this as well. And I just did not pick up on it. Are you looking up Jason Hoyt? Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> he was in Xena and Hercules. Okay, his face and looks he, familiar to me now. He was um, the Beast's partner who was killed at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. He had the weird nose. Mm. And, and even just this film does all these references that's like, okay, Blade reference or Dracula reference or, you know, something from something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned the bit about the poking, where she was like, well, we could poke her. The way Jermaine Clement says yes is one of the greatest things on film. Just he looks at him, and, and again, this is Jermaine Clement, so he takes his time over everything, but he looks at him and he just goes, yes. We can look at her photos. Oh, uh, yes. Or we could poke her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes we can but, you know, here's the thing though here's the terrible thing about podcasts because it doesn't work as well in only audio like you need the visual of his face while he's saying it yes. but yes it's so good <laughs> the the absolute best moment i mean i love ghost cup Ooh, spooky ghost cup floating by itself Ooh. i love you know all the stuff that we said earlier about you know I, I was 16 when I was turned. This is my torture chamber. So wait, was Vlad your favorite character? Probably. Okay. Probably. And I thought, oh, God, you've reminded me. When he gets woken up by Viago and, and Waititi opens the door and Jermaine Clement is back there having an orgy with three vampire women. <laughs> and he closes the door and opens it again and the room's all normal. There is a line somewhere, I think from the commentary or something, that's just, oh, here's the orgy that, that Jermaine Clement wrote for himself. That is a few seconds, but they filmed this whole sequence and got these women in just for a few seconds gag. That's hilarious. But even, even that bit of, you know, he's doing that in the background, then he, he, you know, he goes and sees Deacon. And Deacon's upside down. He's like, How was your night last night? I transformed into a dog and had sex. Cool. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right? It. I was that's like, the story. Um... <laughs> Especially since that's our first introduction to Deacon. Yeah, right. Right? Like, okay, what am I in for? What the hell has Matthew got me watching? Is actually where I was at that particular moment. But, yeah. The, the absolute best bit, and this was the bit I, that I saw a gif of after watching the film that made me go, oh, yeah, it's very good. When we see that Vlad has not eaten anyone, so he's turning sort of old and beastly. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to the party. He's not going to the... Undead the masquerade. unholy masquerade. Unholy masquerade. Thank you. Just leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. What are you bidding on? I'm bidding on a table. On yeah, he's <laughs> actually on eBay <laughs> bidding on stuff. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that is a uh, pun for the ages, frankly. Yes, yes, yes it is. <laughs> but just and again, you know, you see it come up every so often. You leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. Oh, what are you bidding on? Wonderful. Love it. <laughs> oh, the unholy masquerade is at a bowling alley. Yes. Yeah. It's That's just some weird. low key little thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how How about you? Were there any favorites that we've not picked up on? Because we. Um, well, my very favorite was the drawing each other, but we talked about mm. that. Um, the idea that they admitted that they only drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. Oh, like so they don't good. need virgin blood. Right? I think we drink virgin blood because it sounds cooler. <laughs> I, um, I I like Vlad's follow up to that though. I think of it like this: if you were going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, werewolves, not swearwolves. It's okay, because I know this guy. It's Count Fagula. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 don't swear. Sorry, they... they yeah. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. What are we? Werewolves, not swearwolves. Oh, yes, Reese Darby, we haven't talked about them. <laughs> we haven't yes. talked about werewolves at all, but werewolves, <laughs> not swearwolves. It's great. <laughs> and then they end up, like, they have this, like, oh, this whole, like, enemy thing, like, rivalry set up through the whole movie, and then at yep. the end, because all of a sudden, Stu... Has come back as a werewolf. He brings everybody together, and now they're all friends, and it's fantastic. Brilliant! Like Stu, like the character of Stu is just brilliant. Yeah, like he's so like he's quiet, 
and he's just a regular human, but he's the dude that everybody loves. Mm. You know, he showed them the internet, right? Like, yeah. He's just Stu. <laughs> so this is why I wanted to include that bit at the beginning about he was just a friend who was told, oh, just come and stand here, come and sit here. This is your part, but actually it's a really small part of the film. Mm-hmm. But he is he is the glue that holds the story right. together. Yeah. I can't decide if I believe it or not. I think I do because he's so low key, but at the same time, like, how could you not figure out the number of scenes he's clearly filmed and the number of bits talking about him? Mm-hmm. There's Surely. a lot of bits though where they talk about him where he's not there. And in True. most of the scenes where he is there and he's not speaking, he's just standing around. Mm. So I think I can see it, especially when you shoot movies out of order. You know, like, yeah. I can see True. that he would think that, well, I'm just standing around. I'm not doing anything. This is going to end up cut. Like, or yeah. they're not going to have me in the frame. I I can see that, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Because it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like he was trying to act. No. No, exactly. It. Yeah. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Stu. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the, the werewolves have, what, three scenes. Um, yeah. And the, the alpha werewolf is played by Reese Darby. And Reese is a comedian unto himself. He's in Flight of the Concords. He's in most of Taika Waititi's films as, as sort of big character parts. Okay. I, I find a little of him goes a long way. I'm not the hugest fan of him in Flight of the Concords, and in this, it's the exact right amount. Mm. Yeah, I'm the alpha male. Yeah, him just improvising like, you can't chain yourself to that tree, can't you know how big you get? And all of that stuff, it's just him throwing out gags about things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, and I did appreciate, though, that even they didn't, they didn't talk about this at all, but you get the sense that, I mean, they're very Oz-like in their werewolfness. Because they're yeah, going to turn yes. and they're chaining themselves to a tree, right? They don't want to be out there mm. killing people. And they didn't no. – that was just something that they showed us. They didn't tell us that. Like, we didn't really get much about the werewolves at all. Yeah. But that was a nice detail. There, there is, uh, again, Clement and Waititi keep mentioning that they are going to make a film called What We Do in the Moonlight. Oh, interesting. Also, also called Werewolves. <laughs> I, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I think they might have become too big now at this stage. Mm-hmm. But it would be quite nice. You'd like to see that with a couple of scenes with the vampires in it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, we've been gushing about this movie and gushing <laughs> about It's been a while since we've gushed this much about a movie. It is a great film. It is a really great film. Mm. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about what we do in the shadows? We had a tweet on Twitter from Kate, who joined us for The Lost Boys, at Katie Sheru. I can't think of a vampire comedy that comes anywhere near what we do in the shadows. And for anyone who loves the film, but is worried to watch the TV series in case it ruins it, please just watch it. So I was going to ask you, like, do you want to watch the TV series? You're going to follow up? I'm pretty sure you are. I Well, I was going to ask if you thought I should, you know, because clearly okay. there's a difference. And we didn't really talk about this. And, and you usually like to talk about the budgets of the TV show, of the movies mm. that we do. Part of the charm of this movie is the quality, like the budget that it yep. has. Right? It's yeah, very absolutely. clearly low budget. And mm. they do it really well. Like they use it to its advantage, you know, and it that's something like that you usually talk about, you know, mm-hmm. like you can see, well, clearly they didn't have room for multiple cameras. So people kept stepping into the shots, you know, like we've, we've talked about that kind of thing. Yeah. And a television show that's produced that's on FX is going to be mm-hmm. much higher quality. And so I'm wondering, does that take something away from it? Mm, don't know. On on the budget in this one, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. There are points you watch it and you're like, the camera goes slightly out of focus as they transition from one shot to another. Right. To like hide a cut or hide the guy's head turning around when the, on the dead dude and stuff. Right. There's points that are like, oh, that's you can kind of see the join, but it's charming. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they transform into bats and have a fight as bats and then transform back into humans. They have they built this one of the sets on a gimbal so they could turn it and fight on the ceiling. 
Mm-hmm. And like again, you know, seeing the shot of that of them like walking as as it's turning, and then when you see it in the fight, you're like, actually, they did that really cleverly. You know, the, the, where they spent the money, they were really effective in spending. Yes, it. yeah. Fine. I mean, they picked, I think, the best parts to use for the money that when they did spend it, it was great. Yeah, but there absolutely. were times where it wasn't. No. Jermaine Clement's face on the cat. Oh, that's amazing. Hysterical. <laughs> hysterical. Absolutely hysterical because it comes just, it's just this random shot right after we get this thing of, you know, he doesn't do face as well when yeah. he tried to do other animals and then you get the Jermaine cat. <laughs> you know, but it, you know, it wasn't great. Funny, yeah, no. but not great. So, yeah, that's that's the only thing that I'm really wondering about. Okay. But the premise of it is enough that I would probably give it a shot. Okay. I don't think the budget changes the TV series. I think it's it's slightly different because it has a broader scope at times. Because um, it has four vampires that it follows. So although this has four vampires, Peter sort of goes out, Nick comes in, so... Right. And and then each of them has multiple stories going on, that kind of thing. Um, but I think they use it in the right way at times. Okay. So okay. so I think it's okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I would absolutely say watch it. I think it starts a little slowly because it starts with some of the jokes from the film. Mm, okay. Um, which this film starts with the jokes from the short. Right, Effectively, right. and then expands on them, so... You know, okay. you get it. Yeah. Um, but it does become very strong. And I, I think I've mentioned before, there was a thing they do with vampires later in the series that is one of the greatest vampire things I've ever seen. Okay. And made me very happy. And you'll know it when you get there. So, okay. That's yeah. interesting. Um, All right. So what I was, what I did want to ask you is, what do you think the title means? Do you think it's a good title for this film? You know, I think it is. It's actually a little on the nose since it's a mockumentary. And mm. I didn't realize that's what it was. But, I mean, that's what this is. Vampires live in the dark, in the shadow, and this is what vampires do. So, I mean, they could have called it what vampires do, but what we do in the <laughs> yeah. shadows just is a little more elegant. Mm. It, I think it's the perfect name for a documentary about vampires. Yes. So, again, they're taking their concept really seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's the right name for this film. But because they're taking it so seriously, like, we have all this footage and we are now putting out a thing for you. Right. And we have those couple of moments of recreations of, you know, Reese Darby and all the naked werewolves around him. Yeah. I... <laughs> and just the bit with the biscotti. The fact they call it biscotti. Biscotti, sorry. Biscotti. Would you like some biscotti? You know, they're so not on it. <laughs> Biscotti, yeah, and he's like, he just kept doing it over and over again. Yeah, I was like, what is this dude like five? <laughs> Biscotti. This is a good film. Mm-hmm. I think that's the crux of it, isn't it? This is a good film. Go it's watch a it. good film. It's funny. It really is. Nice. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. We are 100% funded by our lovely listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give gives access to exclusive content, exclusive shows, bonus shows, access to games that we play online, access to our Discord server, and exclusive merch. If you want to find out more, go and visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week where we are going to talk about Splash. Until then, I'm Mandy Kay. And I go for a look which I call dead, but delicious. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.